welcome to the Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, but I'm behind the machine, and to my left, your right is... Theodore, and I'm small due to forced perspective. This is true. I'm big because I'm the, <laughs> the lead voice in the podcast, so that's why I put myself right here. Yeah, you do look tiny in this camera, don't you? I promise you, Theodore is like two inches, maybe three inches taller than me, so that's just how it is. But Theodore, we're on a special podcast today because you're not normally my only co-host. You're usually virtual, um, but you've made the trek all the way over to the studio here today to talk about something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. The big news is, personally, Theodore, what just happened for you? I got engaged. Woo! Yeah! And so did I. Woo! A little, little earlier, but in any case, me and Theodore are both in this young man point of life where we are engaged and loving it and looking to marry soon. And so what does a young man strive for better than wisdom, right? Young men are always looking for wisdom or like, what do I do next? Or what's good ambition? And if they aren't, um, I would argue that they probably shouldn't. We have a book being prominently displayed here. It's not sponsored. It's not the gospel. It is written by a Christian man named Michael Foster, who runs a, a podcast of the same name. It's good to be a man. And I would say this is a, uh, a primer for what we're going to talk about today. And that is, what is God's commandment for men? So this is a Christian book about how God has made men. What is our calling as men, specifically gendered men? So women have their own calling, and we're not going to explicitly talk about that today. But as young men about to get married, and a lot of questions on my mind, how do I, how do I lovingly lead a wife, and what am I to do as a man? And even if you aren't getting married, I think these are important questions that young men have as they come into their own. What do you do? Like, what has God made men specifically to do, and people as a whole? Um, but men are the the head, the first of of mankind, and so men usually direct where things go, and women follow. So. Here's the conversation. I'm sure it will offend some, and hopefully it's for the sake of the gospel and not just because we're, we're being um, misogynistic bozos or whatever people are scared of these days. So without further ado, where would you go, Theodore, if I can put you in the spot, if you wanted to know... Genesis 1. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did I get it right? You got it right. If you want to know the origin of everything, or the origin of why God created, we would go to Genesis, specifically Genesis 1. So I'm going to give a classic... Um, what many would call the creation mandate. So the mandate that God had for creation when he created mankind, what was God's original purpose and stated purpose for mankind? And I think, though um, the gospel is a theme that has been throughout scripture, this is ultimately the reason that God created mankind. So there's extra reasons, right? There's, there's his salvation via Jesus Christ. It's being close to him. But we still will have a purpose after new creation, right? After creation is remade and we're one in Christ and we're made as people, our purpose will be manifold. But one of them, I think, and I strongly believe will be this, this same creation mandate. God's word is true. It always holds true. This is not fulfilled in Christ, i.e. it's not done away with in Christ. This is still holding to man today and will be in the future. So I'm going to contend that this is, this is a good general calling to man. There are many callings to men, but this is definitely one of them. Without further ado, God created mankind. He said, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves in the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant of the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. 
God saw that he all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So let me again quiz you, Theodore. What do you gather from this message about mankind? What would be the, the primary purpose for man here? To be vegetarian. That is an aspect. I mean, honestly, yeah, there's an aspect. Now, we know that God has made all, uh, Jesus specifically, has made all foods clean and actually past Noah, he explicitly gives the animals for mankind to eat. So this is not a vegan message, but I think all Christians would agree from this that originally mankind was vegetarian. Um, yes. And more importantly. More of a detail. Yeah, not a, not a purpose. <clears throat> to tend creation well, to enjoy it, and to glorify God uh, with it. Yep. And by agree. our works, by our tending, by our keeping, by, Yeah. And I think mankind, like I preface this whole situation with, has many purposes, right? So our purpose is to glorify God and rejoicing forever to worship him explicitly, you know, like face down in song, that kind of worship. But also I think any obedience to God is worshiping God to some extent. So while there is a time and a place for explicit um, head on ground song singing worship, there's also the times, the many, the more numerous times of just doing the work that God has given us to do. And again, I don't think there's any other place in scripture that says our work more than this. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God makes man to rule over the earth. And he says, let's make mankind in our image, which, which, can mean a lot of things, um, but I would posit that because of the, the reason he's saying he's making mankind, that his image really means that just as God is Lord over all creation, he's making mankind as a smaller version of him, an image um, that will then rule over creation in his stead. So we are the caretakers for God's creation here on earth in particular. So that is the primary purpose of man. Now, man has a lot of callings, right? We're all called to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all called to worship God. We're all called to make other disciples, right? Jesus gives a great commission and says, go forth and make disciples of all the nations, nations teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? So that's, that's a command of man from the Lord. But I would say the primary command is to take care of creation. And in that, encompassed in that, is the great commission itself. So I, I do think that the pious teachers in, in, elders and pastors across the United States and in the West right now tend to ignore this aspect of mankind's calling, and that is to do good work. They often emphasize the discipling and the the, the worship, that's the explicit song singing worship, um, which are good things. But again, we would not want to ignore the original creation mandate for men. Some churches even have community gardens. And that's why you should purchase Beyond Meat, because I have a... <laughs> Yeah. promo code that goes right to your bank account this is okay, not a question yeah <laughs> i i don't think with this being said i don't think the only valid like um way to tend the earth is by physically working the earth i think ruling over the fish ruling over the birds of the sky ruling over wild animals and all the creatures involves any good work that you do in the earth so i'm a marketer by trade i think that marketing is a good sharing of the wealth of the earth of the things that people make that shares to, to mankind and equally you're an electrical engineer theodore you're managing electricity god's creation to, to better creation for the sake of mankind so i would say that is also legitimate work that goes to the same mandate but in any case it's using it's, less power uh, with led lighting yep being efficient so it's also a call, I think, just broadly for Christian environmentalism, not to worship nature, but to rule over it. So creation is made 
um, for us to rule over. So we are we have the right over creation, but we do want to be good to it like God is good to us. So it does not rule over us. Um, we are not beholden to creation, um, but we are to rule over it. So it's, it's in our purview to rule it well. That being said, second part of this, God blessed them, men and women, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves in the ground. I would say a logical conclusion of the second part is that the second mandate for man is to be fruitful, increase the number, and fill the earth and subdue it. So it's a double calling. Go subdue the earth. Mankind is to go and subdue the earth properly with love. Um, but together, man and woman together this time, they are to go and fill the earth, increase in number, and subdue the earth. So man is primarily called to subdue the earth, and women helps him be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. So women are also called, I think, to help subdue the earth. They help the man. So in these two ways, mankind as a whole, man and women, are called to subdue the earth and rule over it. Man first, and then women. So that being said, there are many today, Theodore, and you probably agree with me, that would... Um, shirk the word patriarchy. Patriarchy is a word that means father rule, archy rule, patriarch, the father, patriarchy, the father rule. They, they say that patriarchy is inherently evil, that in ancient societies and Roman societies and Neanderthal, caveman societies and whatever else, these barbarous societies, men use their strength to oppress everybody under them. So first their wife and their children, but even bigger, fathers of nations, right, would oppress whole countries as kings or governors or just wicked rulers, right? So that patriarchy, because there's a power differential, is inherently evil and causes strife. So there are many today who do not want father rule. They want um, other kinds of rule. Many in the church today call for complementarianism, which is kind of a an odd choice of words because complementarianism is the statement that men and women complement each other in their strengths which i agree with but i believe i believe strongly in patriarchy that fathers should rule over things that they are given so that mankind should rule over the earth and a husband should rule over his wife but that it should be in a loving and proper and, and way right so it should be in a way that that his strengths complement his wife and his wife complements him because god has made a man to be head of the household as christ is the head of the church um, but many today rebel against that within the church and uh, definitely outside of it they promote not only complementarianism which i say is an incomplete version of of how god wants men to interact with women but also they they engage in egalitarianism which says that men and women are equal they're actually the same in power um, that they have the same roles, which we would disagree with. So while men and women have a joint goal of subduing the earth, they do about they do it in different ways. Um, where do I get that right? Like I can't, I shouldn't just say that for myself. Where do we get this idea that man is ahead of the woman and that they have different roles together? Um, there's many portions of scripture that I would point to, even there in Genesis one and in Genesis two. Um, at the very end of Genesis two, God is it creates. Eve, right, out of Adam, so they are different, and Adam names the woman, and naming usually implies ownership or, or um, authority over. He names the woman, calling her woman, because he's from Adam, woman, from, from man. And now Adam does not lord it over her in an evil way. He, he loves her and says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then God says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So this is a unique calling to man to leave his father and mother and to be united with his wife and they will become one flesh. So I would say there we not only see the 
the authority structure that, that Adam names Eve, that she comes from him, but also that he's to leave his father and mother, not just Adam, but his descendants, and be joined to his wife. But more specifically, I think this is one that usually marriage counselors go to, so you'll probably see it in marriage counseling, Theodore, whenever you get there, a premarital counseling. That's my fiance. Ah, look at that. Um, but also, I've, I've seen it. I think I, we read, me and my fiance read this one, too, um, when we were just going through scripture and, and noted it. But Ephesians 5 is a very classic area where Paul talks about, remember the word of God, is Paul's, Paul's writings here, um, talks about how husbands and wives should interact. So he says this, and I'll just stick to the husband's part for now. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He, loves, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife, love his wife as himself. And the wife is our husband. Must, must respect her husband. So, here you see the call to husbands is to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So with all the authority that husbands are given over his wife, he's also to love her as Christ loved the church. So that doesn't that does not take away, I think it should be clear to men everywhere, that does not take away his proper authority over his wife. It just means that he should use that authority for good and love like Christ does. Because we are under Christ. It's not evil to say that Christ is our masters. We are his slaves. He is over us. There's no egalitarian is not complementarianism with christ we don't compliment him he doesn't compliment us we do right we benefit from him and he's glorified by us but he is definitely authoritative over us so in the same way a husband is definitely authoritative over his wife but that doesn't mean he should exercise evil rule in the same way i will go to the women part now um just to further point out the fact that the husband is head of the household here's paul again wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So once again, hard teaching for some, but this is the call of the created order for wives to submit their husbands and husbands to submit to the Lord. And this is where we get a lot of the sphere authority things. If you hear Christians talking about this, that every authority has its sphere, what it's supposed to rule over. So as we just read from Genesis 2, Genesis 1, man's sphere is the earth, right? We don't have authority um, yet until we're granted it further from God over angels or other heavenly places. Someday we will judge angels as, as the scriptures say, but today we don't. We are just given authority over the earth, but we do have authority over it. And in the same way, a husband has authority over his wife. However, another man, another husband, does not have authority over somebody else's wife. If you notice, uh, Paul says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So the sphere of my authority as a future husband does not extend to your wife and vice versa, right? So we shouldn't get confused there. And equally, um, there are governors of men who have authority over households, who do have authority over the man and therefore the woman in the household and therefore all the children in the household, whatever's in the household, right? My governor, the governor of the state of Minnesota has authority over me. However, his authority does not extend to... Um, things that are explicitly given to me for my household. For example, the governor does not have the right to tell me what I feed my children or where my children go to school or whatever else. Those are my right as a as the head of my household to do what I want. So he has authority over how much taxes I pay, um, if I'm drafted into the military, um, if I can drive on state 
roads, you know, those kind of things, the governor of the state has authority over me. And then equally the federal government and therefore God you know, goes up. There's hierarchies, God-given hierarchies in the world. So what I'm trying to say here and summarize is that man is meant to rule. He does in fact rule over his wife and that it should be good. Even if you don't rule over a wife because you're not married, a man is meant to rule over something. And it's good that man exercises that kind of authority because that is the calling of man. So at, at base, man is, man is meant to rule over something. And that ruling is good. It's exhibited by God. It's created by God. And we should look to God on how to rule. Well, I'm going to go to First Timothy 3 now. Because yeah. that talks about overseers and deacons. Yeah, and we should. So, so preface to that is that mankind... Um, Sometimes women in particular, because they're the second, are bitter. And actually, I think this speaks to the enemy's attack on creation, that just like in the Garden of Eden, Satan goes through a creature, the snake, to woman that convinces the husband to rebel against God. That's the exact reverse of the authority structure, if you notice, right? It should be God telling man what to do, man telling wife what to do, and wife and man together telling creatures what to do. Right. Satan hating God's order reverses it to try to beat God. Of course, God isn't thwarted there. He doesn't give in to man. He does not sin. And mankind ends up um, hurting creation, as we all know, in the fall. But um, often women, because they're attacked by, by the enemy like that, or because of the curse of sin, or whatever is going on, and, or just because of unfaithful husbands, um, will complain that they have high callings. Like in Proverbs 31, there's this big description of a perfect woman, perfect wife, and women will say, that's a lot of stuff to do. And it is. It's a high calling to be a woman. Um, and then equally here is a hard a hard saying to accept that wives should submit themselves to their husbands uh, as to the Lord. Submit themselves in everything and respect their husbands. But know that men have a equally high, if not higher calling, um, hard, that is. So this verse from Second Timothy talks about the calling for men. Or Yeah, First Timothy 3. And this is not all there is. This is just a subset, decent paragraph. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. And then in parentheses, but if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? And then out of the parentheses, and not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond, repro beyond reproach. So there you go, pretty high calling. Now you hear those kind of sin lists given to all Christians, right? Don't be this, don't be that, don't be that. But this one is particularly to leaders in the church. So know that that's a high calling for men as well. And we should strive to be um, in higher positions like that, as Paul says. should strive to be an elder in the church. But um, not everybody ends up being called to that. Um, but that is a striving for mankind in general. I should also specify, just because I know all the caveats, that um, when we think about ruling, so fellow men, if you think about ruling over something, you have to remember how God has ruled us. God does not um, 
domineer over us, even though he's far greater than us, even though he has authority over us, and even though his way is perfect, and he's way stronger than us, he does not domineer. He doesn't usually force us to do things unless we really need to, right? We know all the times where God like does force us. It's pretty few and far between. Equally, he does not um, put on us heavy labors. If you think about the old kings of uh, Israel, the king after Solomon, Solomon's son Rehoboam, he is advised by his counselors. They say, Solomon, your father is great, but he imposed on us heavy taxes, meaning heavy labor, right? They're working the fields, they're doing their own work, and the king is taking a cut of it, a big cut of it. And so they advise him to win the hearts of his people to lessen the taxes. And Rehoboam, under the advice of his fellow young men who are raring to go, he wants to prove that he's a man's man, that he can force you to do even more work, and that will get people to submit to him, right? Because then he'll look even stronger and more authoritative when he increases the taxes. And so he goes out and says that, right? My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips, and my my pinky finger is as thick as my dad's crotch, right? That's what he says to people. And they rebel against him. And that's an ordained way of God splitting the kingdom, meaning that that speech by Rehoboam is not wise. And so equally, the calling to not only husbands when you rule over a wife and a household as a husband, but also when you're at work or you're ruling over animals, your creation, whatever whatever you're ruling over as a man, um, you should not overbear on it, placing on it heavy burdens that you yourself do not have on, right? You should bear one another's burdens. You should um, delegate tasks to people that are good and useful for their skills, right? You shouldn't delegate to your child uh, management of the, the family budget. He's not going to be good at it, so, so don't give it to him. But you should delegate to your child perhaps like the cleaning of his room, right? Because it's, it needs to be done and it's good for him. He's able to do it. So you have to be wise and prudent in what you give to the people that are underneath you and also serve them well, right? Don't ignore their needs. Make sure they're provided for and things they, especially that they can't do themselves. Make sure you're doing it for them or getting somebody to do it for them. So those are all um, good caveats to not being an evil patriarch. Last thing I'll say on this whole like big heady thing until we get to specific examples and just like testify about our own lives um, as young men is that there is no neutrality on the earth. Jesus says in the Gospels, if you're not with me, you're against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And in this way, the patriarchy, that is God's created order of having a, having a federal headship, right? The father is the head of the household, is inevitable. It's not something that you can avoid. You either have a good patriarch, right? Your husband is ahead of you as a wife, or your, your father is ahead of you as a, as a child. Or you have an evil patriarchy where um, a husband is not the head of the wife, right? Is, is shirking his responsibilities. Or maybe the woman is the head of the family and is acting as the patriarch herself, or the government is overreaching its stance, right? And it's a patriarchy. It's just an evil patriarchy, right? So you cannot escape the patriarchy. So you really need a good master, right? First and foremost, the Lord. So anybody who's listening to this who is not a Christian, repent and believe and turn to God. He should be all of our master. But then secondarily, whoever your next proper authority is, who God has ordained to be over you, whether it's your husband, your father, or the governors. Any last thoughts on just man rule in general and man's calling, Theodore? uh read the rest of the bible <laughs> yes read the bible look how god rules um i would point specifically to his law what he gives in deuteronomy and how he wants the nation being run i think that shows you how he would rule or how he prescribes a nation rule and that should give you a good idea on how you can rule whatever you're doing whether it's your business or your household or maybe you yourself are ruling a nation or a small state or a company or whatever um, you can use God's law to do that. I would equally look at your own life and think about how God has led you in the past and how patient he's been and, and remember that to forgive others as God forgives you. That kind of basic daily prayer, um, remember it as you lead. 
all that being said, let's talk some practical stuff. We'll make this pretty short episode. Um, one of the big things that I've been to kick on recently, and you can probably tell by the fact that I'm reading this book and having this podcast episode, is what good responsibility should I be taking up as a young man now that I'm coming into my own, right? Like God is, when we're children, we don't have a lot of authority over things, right? We have authority over like the family pet maybe, or our room, our possessions, our own bodies, right? We have some authority as young children. Um, but as we increase, especially as men, as we increase in age and experience, we're given and supposed to be given more and more authority. And women too are given authority, by the way. I shouldn't say that men are not the only ones that have authority. Women just have authority sometimes over shared things, but sometimes over different things. So women, children, girls, little girls and little boys usually have the same authority, right? They have authority over their bodies, their, their pets, their um, rooms, their possessions. But as we grow, we get authority over different things, right? So, so men especially are called to have authority to take dominion, to go and subdue the earth. So how do you do that? How do I do that? Particularly me, Michael, you, Theodore. I would say one of the one of the things that I set that God set in my heart and as I, I think is applicable to all young men is go out and, and work the ground first. That's like the first thing you should do. Now, it doesn't mean like farming, but get a job. Don't sit around. And parents say this, it's pretty necessary just because you need money, right? It's a natural part of, of living. Um, but if you aren't and you're thinking you can escape working, you cannot escape work. You have to work. It's not only your mandate, but it's also what's good for you. It's like what we're meant to do is men is meant to work. Um, one of the curses of Adam is that we don't enjoy our work. Often it's hard and long, but it's still our calling. We're still called to, to work it. We're not called to escape it. So I would say first thing a young man should do if he's out on his own, he's outside of his father's household is get a job. It doesn't have to be a super fun job. I went to college, Theodore, you went to college to get funner jobs. Um, but we can both testify, I'm sure, that the job is not always fun. And neither of us are forklift drivers, so we did not succeed there. Nope. And nor are we farmers or anything like that. Yeah. Like we said, electrical engineer, marketer. So it doesn't have to be some like manly man lifting weights kind of job. Just something that, that works and uses your talents to better the earth, better mankind, better the earth. So I would say first thing of dominion you should do as a young man after you have... Um, dominion over your own body, right? You have control over your own body and you have set your house in order, like wherever you're living, you've, you've set your things in order is also to get a job. Second thing we've talked about in this podcast before, but I'll say it again and Theodore chime in if you have other things, but we've both done this. So I'm just speaking out of experience and I would prescribe it to young men like myself is go get a place that you can master. So not only have a job where you're working the earth, you know, you're working the earth, subduing it, but also get like a little mini microcosm of the earth that you can actually master. For example, this studio here, it's my apartment. This is mine. I live here alone. You can live with roommates, but as long as you have a space that is entirely yours, that you are entirely responsible for, right? My mom is not going to come into my apartment and say, Michael, you didn't cl clean the dishes. Michael, you need to redecorate. Like, this is my space that I am dominioning over. Now, um, when I marry and I'm in a place where my wife also has dominion inside the house, I'm going to delegate a lot of that responsibility to her. Frankly, I think she's more gifted in it, decorating and managing a house like that. Right. But I will still be ultimately responsible for the household. She'll just be the delegate to it, the, the manager of the household. So that being said, I think it's very good for a man, not only to start working, but also to find a place of his own to master. So whether that, even if you're living in your parents' house, and you only have your room, master your room, right? Make it yours. Don't let your mom clean your room, clean it yourself, right? This is, I, I do not like this philosopher because he's secular, Jordan Peterson, um, but he does have a very famous line for young men and that is go clean your room first. Before you start trying to say, what was me? We need communism. We need better capitalism. We need to change the government. First, start with yourself. First, clean your own room. And this is a, really a Christian saying, right? Take dominion of what God has already given you. 
um, instead of looking to take dominion of things you don't have dominion of yet. So Arthur, take dominion of your own space as a young man. Get a job, take dominion of your own space. Anything else I'm missing here before I get to um, others? Well, I missed the cleaning part yeah. <laughs> or dominion of your own place because my place is a mess. So I need to work on that. Well, it's a confession right now. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, one of the first things you learn to have dominion over is your own body. Um, and that's an ongoing sanctification thing, right? Don't eat the cake when you don't need to. Make sure you work out in a proper way. You don't have to be like ridiculously buff and you don't have to like never eat sweets. But I would say you want to treat it well. And generally people know how to treat their bodies well. They just, it's a struggle of whether they do it or not, right? So that's another way that it's base level. Um, but we do still struggle with that sanctification, right? Of treating our bodies well. So same with your, you have a place of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let's just start speaking straight, not just in generalities, but what do we actually do? Like I actually went to college behest to my parents. My parents helped me out here, but I went to college and then I immediately got a job right after college. Um, that's a blessing from God. Yes, but it's also a pursuit that I pursued. So I would encourage everybody to pursue working and not just working in some place you think is going to be easy, um, but working someplace that you think will make money and do well right that's that's what a job is for it's supposed to like be bettering the earth and money is a good way of telling whether or not something is actually valuable to society and therefore you actually said doing what you should and then right after college i think you also got a job yeah i got a job two weeks after college my mom actually had to tell me to basically treat um the period right after uh like your full-time job so you apply to as many places as you can uh you interview as many times as you can whatever like a full-time job um just sort of discipline and i was going to bring up time management yeah i think that's a really important one um dr james tour <laughs> christian <laughs> right maybe i think so <laughs> i'll bet on it um but not too much because you shouldn't gamble but anyway you shouldn't gamble Baptist. too much. Gamble on Jesus. Hashtag blessed. And <laughs> oh, what was I going? Okay, so for him, he has a he works a lot. So supposedly he gets up four or five a.m. He Ooh. has like prayer time, devotions, and his his wife and his children can join him if they want. Hmm. Otherwise, he spends a little time with them as well before he goes to work. But then he works like a 10 or 12 hour day sometimes and then he comes home and he still spends time with his family um in the word and like bedtime prayer reading a story or something biblical um something like like that so i've been kind of convicted by his testimony of doing that um just always setting apart you don't have to do this but i think it's probably the best way to do it setting apart like the first um part of your day to god in prayer and in scripture and obviously praying over your wife fiance family um and then yeah going to work working hard working for god Mm -hmm. as your ultimate master um and then coming home and not neglecting your family because obviously in first timothy it it says you need to yeah raise your family well basically and uh be a good role model and example to them 
and also Deuteronomy 6 um, says, you shall teach them diligently, or this is talking about like the commands of God. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I'd include the gospel as well. Um, Necessary information. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Um, you sh- Well, it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So you don't necessarily need to do all that, like get tattoos of scripture on your hands and forehead. But um, you might be able to speak to putting scripture around your house <laughs> well if you can see maybe you can't actually oh yes this camera angle is hiding it but i've got on the wall i have a big portion of matthew because i was can i even point well i can't point well okay in this back wall here i had a um i still have you just can't see it a big posted version of the the book of matthew just because i was memorizing it so that's kind of neat now this particular passage you're talking about from deuteronomy 6 is specifically the shema israel the call to israel which says um Hero is you're the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself is usually included in it. And that's what the Jews put under the frames and other things like that. But I think you're right, Theodore, and that we can apply it to the whole call of the gospel, right? Because that two greatest commandments encompass the whole law. And so says right. Jesus. So those two greatest commandments in the Shema Israel are also encompassing the whole of scripture. So I would say, teach your family right, right? So it's a, it, c- clearly it is a consistent commandment for man from Genesis to Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy throughout the um, Old Testament, and then into the New Testament as well, that you should be leading your family well. So we've said, um, manage your body well, manage your um, work well, so go and work, manage your time well, and manage your physical house well. So I would agree with all those. I'm agreeing with you, Theodore. It seems like wise men always get up really early and pray. Um, I agree with starting your day off, or, uh, starting your day off with God, whether it's like quote-unquote earlier or not i work kind of late because i work from a different time zone so i get to get up later um, i have the benefit of working from home and so i don't get up at five right now maybe when i have children i might but in any case um, whatever time you get up i do think that you should allow time to pray because you cannot manage your household on your own you are called to you're called to manage your household and you're called to manage your wife and the things you have, your work, right? But we all know, whether it's in our work or our spouses or our children or whatever's going on, that a lot of it truly is not in our control. But we are called to control it. And therefore, the only possible one who can help us control these things, help us succeed in life, is God. So we have to turn to God, not only to remember how he rules, so we take time in the, specifically in the morning to say, remind ourselves and dwell on God and how he rules us that we can properly rule as well in a way that he would see, but also that we might ask him for help because we will not succeed without his blessing. So we got time, body, house, physical house, and um, job. I would say another one. So those are pretty natural things for for young men to get here in the U.S. at least, um, is going to live somewhere that they own, whether it's with roommates or it's not, somewhere that you you own the, the place. Your body, everybody owns very few don't like slaves don't really own their bodies but whatever um, not very common in the u.s and then your time is one that i think is harder to manage right we're starting to get up in like the this harderness of managing them but time is a good thing to manage and everybody does that i think throughout middle school and high school you start learning to time manage and eventually full-fledged when you are out of your parents house and working for yourself and then work most people know you have to get a job um 
not everybody and there's welfare and things like that that are sometimes good and usually bad but i would say that uh, by and large you know you need to get a job get a job it's it's also biblical um, one that i think is a lot less common and if you listen to me if you know me personally or you've seen this podcast i harp on this a lot probably because it's on my mind because i'm recently engaged but i would say the next step for men almost always unless you're a rare exception that you know you are gifted with with celibacy god has, has withdrawn the desire for you to get married you don't have a problem with porn you don't have a problem with looking at women lustfully you're fully celibate unless you are that right you're called to marry and it is the normative normal thing for men to get married and i do think that because society is promoting this the men are currently shirking their good responsibility duty to go get married i think for a couple reasons I think saying that marriage is a duty can make it seem like you won't love your wife. You're just doing it out of duty. And um, there are men, uh, supposedly, that, that do it for that, where they get married just because they think they should get married. Um, but I'll say that marriage is a good, godly thing, and that with a wife, you can better fulfill the mission to go and subdue the earth, to rule the things you have, to rule your household, to make children, to um, work better, to be better service in the church. It's a requirement for eldership. Um, to, to have a wife, to be a husband of one wife. So we would say that getting a wife is the logical and good next responsibility for those who are not called to celibacy. So unless you're called to celibacy, I would say the next step is to be looking for a wife. Now, I think there's godly ways to do that. We've talked about it a little bit on this podcast. Um, it's probably out of the purview of this particular episode because we're going to make it short. But needless to say, we say it's good to have a godly search for a wife for the right reasons. And the right reasons being we want to serve God. We want to further the creation mandate. Um, we want to love and rule a wife well, and we want to serve God as a household. So if it's for those reasons and for like properly fulfilling the sexual desire you have, I would say it's a good reason to go get a wife. Go do your best to search for a worthwhile Christian wife. Um, easy to say for two engaged men because we've done it, but right. I, I just personally wouldn't have done it had I been like kind of kicked in the butt to say this is a good thing to do. I should go do it because society often is like, oh, you can wait a while and... Um, you can, it's just, why wait, right? If God makes you wait, right, you can't find a wife in a certain amount of time, then then so be it. But if you're delaying your own after you've established your house, your your body is decently established in your rulership, your time management, your work, once you have those things established, there's really nothing else you should be waiting for, I don't think. Unless for those Called certain celibacy, people. Right? Yeah, and as the Bible puts it, uh, eunuchs, for there are, uh, this is Matthew 19, verse 12, for there are eunuchs who are born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept it should accept it, right? right. And that's why I would say, even Jesus there says, whoever can accept it should accept it, right? So if you are somebody who is not tempted by sexual deviancy, or not deviancy, proper sexual <laughs> relations, right? Uh, if you don't have any desire for sex, then yes, you can accept that saying. But for those who don't, for those who do burn with lust, right? Paul writes to, to people, he says, if you burn with lust for um, your for a woman, uh, go marry her. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. So I'd say, again, the normative approach is to marry. The man is made for woman, woman made for man, we should go marry. Um, th this is also specifically an episode for men. I think women often don't struggle with with wanting to get married, they usually struggle with over wanting to get married and not trusting God in it and and being too open. So I would say it's a different usually message for women just because of our different natural inclinations. But for men, I would explicitly ask that you go and try, right? Pray about it and go and try. Because if you don't, you really are shirking a responsibility you probably have to, to do.
right? Is to go subdue the earth, and part of that is, is having life alongside you. So again, barring if you're trying and, and God is not providing, um, he's got different plans for you, whatever. God can do whatever he wants. But the normative thing is that God, um, God commands us to go be, leave your father and mother, be joined to a wife, and the two will become one flesh, as it says in scripture. So me and Theodore, we have also gone and done that. Now, just as your background stuff, uh, Theodore was searching on Hinge, online dating app, um, and he was encouraging me to do this. And like I said, I needed a kick in the butt because Theodore was like, <laughs> you should go do this and at least try it out and see what God provides. And I'm like, well, is God really going to provide it that way? It seems a little like forward, but I do actually think it's good on the man's side of things, especially to be forward and to go looking. Not that you're trying to usurp God's will, but that you are obeying God's will by going and, and like actively doing it. Just like you actively search for a job. You don't like sit around waiting for some person to come offer you a job. You usually actively pursue it, which is an obedience with God's mandate to go subdue the earth and, and go work. So equally with a wife, I think you go pursue it. You don't foolishly pursue it just like you shouldn't foolishly take a job as a hitman or something like that you shouldn't <laughs> foolishly go on tinder or hinge um looking for like the first person who winks at you and then being like yep that's the one and then going and marrying you should use your your wisdom but uh, and in these modern times too um like applying for jobs and careers we do it a whole bunch online online right whereas you <laughs> used to like go in and, and or like no family members or whatever that would connect you and you can get jobs that way still right it's not like you can't get jobs that way so equally mm -hmm. In the U.S. in 2021, you can still find a wife because your parents recommended somebody, or your friends recommend somebody, or you find you you know you're in a bowling alley and you bump into each other, and all your bowling balls fall all over her, and you break your toe, and you bring her to the hospital. You can you know meet somebody naturally like that. However, I would say it's not wrong to meet somebody online, just like it's not wrong to apply to a job online. Just use your wisdom, right? And you will hear horror stories of people not using their wisdom or getting burnt by online dating. So I'm not gonna touch on that. But I'll say for me and Theodore, very successful. He met his fiance on Hinge. I met my fiance on Hinge. We started writing letters after Hinge. So we took a step back from Hinge after meeting each other on Hinge. There you go. <laughs> back into the olden days and then uh, brought back up to modern day. Yeah. So use discernment, use wisdom right now. Hinge, I think, is a pretty um, is an app for people who are serious about relationships. Um, there's also some explicitly Christian apps. We didn't use those for a variety of reasons, but you can. Um, Again, use your wisdom. This isn't a hard and fast rule on how exactly you find a wife, but I would say look for godly attributes and then go find a wife. In the meantime, whether you have, uh, are you looking for a wife and just God has not provided yet, or you are called to celibacy, there are plenty of other things that I think are called for us to take dominion over. Um, I would say your work should be something that um, is prominent in your life but doesn't overtake your life right because your work should be really all of your life and your work includes taking dominion of your body and your household right that's that is included in the same work that you get paid for so you get paid for doing marketing like i do but your work also includes like doing your household so i would say that um you wouldn't want your work job that you get paid for to make you not be able to take care of your body your household your your wife whatever so with that caveat I do think that good responsibility also includes pursuing leadership in the church. So whether that's leaders leading on a small group or pursuing eldership, um, I would say that that is a possible path of dominion. A alternate, and I think usually mutually exclusive path, is if you become an elder in a church, I don't think you should pursue this um, because of spheres of authority reasons. But if you aren't an elder, like an official leader in a church, I do believe that God calls us to take dominion of government as well because that's just a furthering of your dominion over over people and creation so i would say either push towards 
the qualities needed to become a leader in the church and therefore then, then end up pushing in as a leader in the church or pursue the qualities that make a good governor, whether a local level, like a, like a mayor or a city council member or a sheriff or state level or federal level here in the United States. But those are good and godly things to pursue for being a godly benefit to your community as a town. So that's where I would go if you are either called to celibacy or you're not yet um, called to, to marry. That that's that's another thing to do. And even if you are married, that would be like a later on thing. Once you've once you've properly set your household in order with your wife and children, then you can also start pursuing eldership in the church or political leadership. And a lot of Christians, I think, think that especially political leadership is dirty. Um, that it's a non-godly pursuit. I would say the opposite. It's a very godly pursuit to want to um, benefit with godly law and godly virtue your neighbors by being a governor, being your mayor, being the state governor, being a city council member, being a sheriff, whatever, that it's good and godly to want to take dominion in that way. Um, if you, again, are taking cues from God and, and trusting in God the whole time. So I'd say that's the basic steps. Um, not too much, but I think it's good to, to lay them out that when you grow up and you're coming out on your own, that you should look to take dominion over your body, over your possessions and your, your local house over your work, over your time, over your wife, meaning pursue a wife, and then then take good dominion there, good, loving, proper dominion, and then lastly, over your town, your city. So those are things that I would say are manly pursuits. We should talk about it more as men because I think often we aren't called to do any of those good things, and the world needs good men now more than ever. It always does. Any last comments on that kind of general track, Theodore? I'm pushing personally as a witness, so we're both engaged, we've done that. We're both keeping our bodies up to date and, and healthy. We both have our own places. Like I, own, I rent this apartment, but I own this apartment then. And then you have a place yourself, Theodore, right? <laughs> we manage our money well. I'd say that's in the same like possessions realm. Uh, time management, you manage your time, you pray, read the Bible. Yeah, I can always improve on my right. time management well, same with all and these my categories. cleanliness management. Yes, and same with all these categories, being sanctified. But, but yeah. Entered into that management. So have I. And then um, our work as well. We both work, I think, balanced jobs. Both work from home. Both work from home. Currently. And that is a, well, it's a blessing with time management as long as we have self-control management. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> To be working the whole time. And then we have and both pursued uh, marriage as well. Mm -hmm. And you actually spurred me on. So appreciate <laughs> that, right? Because I, yeah. I wasn't spurring on. That's why I think these conversations are important because I wasn't sure uh, if God would just like hand over a wife or not. I think because it's a godly thing to do, you should just pursue it um, with, with wisdom. And then equally, I'm looking to, following my own advice here, I'm looking to either um, be an elder in my church or be a, some sort of help to the town politically um, but of course, I want to master what God has given me and, and be <laughs> be founded in what he's already given me before I pursue both those things. Usually I need to be like 35 plus to, to do either anyways. So that's what I'm waiting on there. But in any case, you don't have to always be striving for more and more and more dominion. Um, but God does say what whoever's given talents more will be expected from him, right? And so the parable of the talents, the guy who was given five talents, vested them and earned five more. So as we are faith with a little, We'll be given more, and then we're faithful with that more, we're given even more. So we do expect to grow over our lives, but there is time that it takes to invest the talents you're given. So I expect to, both you and I, Theodore, will um, receive this talent of marriage and then invest it 
and then see its fruit and with the fruit we'll, we'll go on to greater things so you don't always have to be hyper ambitious like oh, i'm gonna be you know this year i'm i'm vice president next year i'm ceo you know you don't have to always be so aggressive um, next year i'm god <laughs> you're right because eventually you will hit a cap uh, you can't be god um, and sometimes you're not even called to be ceo right like your good proper place is being vp or lower um, and i think we should get ready to be satisfied and not being top dog because god doesn't usually have us as top dog um, but be faithful with what he's given us so that's the call to men so do the earth be faithful with what he's given us and god will be true and good we trust him to give us exactly what we need and what is good to rule over him so don't shirk your duties it's good to be a man don't let society tell you otherwise don't be an evil patriarch don't overuse your ability but don't shirk it either because um, overbearing patriarchs and um, lazy patriarchs are both evil right you want to be a good loving father just like our lord is any last comments, Theodore, about manhood? Um, <laughs> I guess one more point to throw in there would always to be, or always to have some sort of advisement around you. Like you've helped me with, me with some things and advised mm -hmm. me in some things and the iron sharpening iron kind right. of thing. Um, yeah, it's just always good to have other men with the same goals, um, same Christian goals and standards so that you can have accountability and raise one another and um also pour into other people looking for examples yeah don't shirk the church i would put in the whole time management thing maybe it's kind of a strange category but but go to church right you might be thinking like like i think most of us do that oh there's so few men that i trust out there that can sharpen me or maybe you say there's none right now there's none um, find a godly church where there's a godly church god is calling men to that church you will find other men whether they're perfect or not i guarantee they're not perfect so you're not going to find some like great guru in fact don't find a great guru jesus says don't call anybody else master or teacher or rabbi right i've learned things from from theodore and he's learned things from me but i'm not his rabbi nor is he and same for my pastors my pastors teach me things and they correct me and they have authority over me as elders in the church but they don't they're not my rabbi right they're not my like guru that i follow at all costs so while you do want to join a church to be sharpened by fellow iron and you don't want to shirk that that's the express role of of the church is to be sharpening each other um don't go looking for a guru and the same way um, with books like these my only warning is that this is great i like michael foster who's written this book i like his podcast there are other very manly men that are christian that do podcasts i like his the best i think it's more measured it's not as like fearsome and uh anti-woke i'm, I'm anti-woke myself must have a six inch beard yeah six inch beard and buy all your guns and stuff like it's not as as gun-toting freakish um i respect those others um but i just like his better but with all that being said there's a lot of male gurus out there that that are like gurus and and, and don't take them as as like as if they are jesus right as if every word they say is true michael foster has problems he's a presbyterian and i do not agree with presbyterians on some key issues so i say this i respect his his opinions here knowing full well that i disagree with him on some other things don't take any man his words is infallible um i would almost say that any teacher probably has a blaring fault that you disagree with and if you don't um you might want to examine <laughs> your relationship with that teacher because um there's got to be something different right because most men have a fault because we're not god go to church take dominion Go get married, um, have children, whatever else Presbyterians say. Uh, I also want to specify, by the way, you'll hear this kind of language from Presbyterians a lot. So Michael Foster and Cross Politic and some other big Presbyterian messages out there for like these man-centered Christian podcasts. They often say, um, like, take dominion of your household, have kids, whatever else. God is the Lord of 
your life. So while we are called usually to get married, to have children, to be elders in the church, there are God-called times where you don't get married. Maybe not for a while, maybe not ever, right? Even if you aren't gifted with celibacy, there I, I do not restrain from God the times where he will not give somebody with celibacy and not give them a wife. And that's just the story that God has given. Who are we to question God's story in that place? So you want to, as that person, or if you're advising that person, you want to make sure they are pursuing godliness and that they are pursuing godly things. But God may never grant that person a wife. Equally, he may never grant a godly, loving, properly householded couple children. And equally, he may never grant a godly, wise man eldership in the church. But we trust God. We know that there's greater rewards in the next life. And so we want to pursue the things that he asks us to, but know full well that if he doesn't grant godly children, for example, and I think Presbyterians have a big weakness in this, if he doesn't grant godly children, it does not mean that you have householded poorly. God gives what he gives and he takes what he takes. And so he might not give godly children. He might not give a godly wife. Um, So just know that going into everything that just because you do everything right or as right as you can does not necessarily mean things will work out a particular way but that does not mean that we aren't called to still pursue marriage that we're not pursued to pursue um, raising children that we're not pers- called to pursue leadership in the church um, i just think we should have proper faithful expectations to know that god will do what he will so we shouldn't be um, questioning god why oh why did i not get a wife in time pursue it properly with wisdom don't shirk your duties but if you aren't shirking your duties then i think we should not fret over um, what god will give us because whatever he gives us will be good in the end all that said that's why we have found our cause in serving the lord jesus christ i'm michael the man behind the machine and to my left your right has been theodore under well it's different now you're now next to the pc Theodore, next to the pc and shrunken and tiny Thanks for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. That is audio only, though. If you want to see our beautiful faces in this beautiful apartment, studio, you can go to foundcause.pod, no, foundcause.facebook.com forward slash foundcause or go to YouTube and look us up there, foundcause on YouTube. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you might find your podcast. Until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas and bye-bye.